Wow. As I was listening and singing, which is not very pretty, but I was still doing it. And we're talking about how awesome God is and the greatness of God. And uh, just uh, a verse came to my mind as Lamentations 3.22. And it says, And the Lord's loving kindness never ceases. His mercies never fail. Great are His mercies. And great is His faithfulness. That's the God that we've come to serve today. To give Him praise and glory and honor. Brian, open us up, please, if you would. still be in Matthew if you want to turn there 5 uh, verse 7 as we continue with uh, uh, the Beatitudes. Uh, I'm not going to re-preach last Sunday but uh, as I was looking at it this Sunday uh, I just I think I just need to go back and review a little bit from last Sunday. Uh, not the last four or five Sundays that we have kind of briefly talked about to open the message but but just last Sunday because I think last Sunday's Message. The more I think about it and pray through that, how important that message really is. Because if you remember last Sunday, we talked about blessed are those that hunger and thirst after righteousness. For they shall be satisfied, the Bible says. We know at the time of conversion, when we accepted Christ as our Lord and Savior... That the Bible tells us that He took our sins that we have committed. He took our sins and He took them upon Himself. And in exchange for that, the Bible says, He gave us His righteousness. We are right before God. But He also tells us we are to pursue righteousness. So many times as Christians, we just stop with the idea of salvation. And we refuse to pursue righteousness. We do not pursue a holy, a sanctified, a separated life that should not look like the world. But so many times we give in to that temptation. We are called to live a life separate from what the world looks like. And yet so many times we don't do that. We stop at salvation and yet we do not live accordingly. We, we think salvation is all we need. We don't serve anybody else. We are not obedient to His Word. We don't remember the Sabbath. And yet we want to be blessed. And, and, and we've got to understand as Christians that we have 
been born again, we have salvation, but that's just the beginning. We are to pursue, we are to be hungry, we are to be thirsty for His righteousness. You see, our faith must be reflected in the way that we live. There's not an option. I heard a pastor this week talk about this. And he says, you know, uh, the rapture's coming when God snatches us all up. Could be today, could be tomorrow, could be next week, next month, next year, next decade. We don't know. But we know that event is going to happen. When all of us, born-again believers, will be snatched from this old world to meet Jesus in the air. What a great thing. And so many times he said, there's going to be millions of people who profess Christianity, who will talk about Christianity, but their lives do not reflect it. Their lives do not say that I've been born again. Their lives look just like the world. You can't tell the difference between them. And he said, and I agree with him, that, that there's going to be so many professing people who say that they're believers, but when the rapture comes, they're going to be disappointed because they're going to be right here with everybody else. You see, when you're truly born again, your life absolutely will reflect it. That is the importance of that message. We have to have a mindset. We have to live the life. We have to be obedient. We have to do what God calls us to do. You see, when we were born again, when we got born again, the Bible says, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, that we are a new creation. He has given, taken our old heart and given us a new heart. And when He gave us a new heart, He gave us a new purpose. He gave us a new plan. He gave us a new priority. And he says, I have changed you from the inside out. And because of that, when you've truly been born again, you have a new heart. You have a heart that longs for him. You should have a heart that hungers and absolutely thirsts for his righteousness. We have to have a heart that pursues the things of God if you've truly been born again. That's why that message Sunday was so important. We cannot be just wishy-washy and just think that, that my, I made a profession 100 years ago or I got wet in some baptistry is going to be good enough. No, that salvation, when that happens, you change from the inside out and your life will reflect it. Your life cannot look like the world's life. We must pursue His righteousness. Or on the other side of that coin, we have people today that will mask their... Uh, hunger and thirst, if you would, by doing a whole bunch of good works, a whole bunch of good deeds. My, my life is all about doing good things, good works, serving people, you know, following after the Lord, yeah, all that kind of good stuff. And, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But see, they justify a righteous living by doing all this kind of stuff in order to hide the fact that they don't want to live a holy and a sanctified and a separate life. And what the Bible will tell us, it's, for the Christian, it is not either or. It is both. We have to have salvation. We have to have a life that pursues righteousness. And at the same point, we've got to be doing good deeds and good works that God has appointed for us. You see, it's got to be both together if we're ever going to be hungry and thirsty after righteousness. You know, we get a thirst for God like a man in the desert wanting that drink. You know, we got to seek him like a lost uh, traveler. What direction do I go? We seek him with all of our heart and all of our, all of our mind. We are to be passionate. We are to be desperate. We are to be fervent in our pursuit 
of His righteousness. A kind of a, a desire and a passion to seek His righteousness and to live a holy and a different kind of life. And the Bible says when we do that, when we have that hunger and thirst for His righteousness, what's going to happen, the Bible says? He says, you shall be satisfied. You shall be satisfied. Because that's your passion, is to know Him, to be obedient to Him, to serve Him, and to serve others. And he says, when that happens, your soul is satisfied. Uh, okay, that was last week. <laughs> this week, uh, Matthew 5, 7. Another one of those Beatitudes. Remember, we talked about the Beatitudes are what? A description of a born-again believer. It is the kind of a heart that we as Christians are to have. Not a suggestion, and it's not an option, but these are the things that should flow out of a born-again believer. This is the kind of heart that he says that we are supposed to have. So let's see what it, what it has to say. Verse 7, it says, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Uh, you can define mercy as giving something to someone who does not deserve it. Giving something to someone who does not deserve it. Well, that's easy enough. And I got to thinking about that. Without a merciful God in heaven, would any of us have a chance for a home in heaven when we pass? No. No wouldn't have a chance. But because God is merciful, He does not give us what we deserve. When we first sin, the first time we sin, we deserve be smacked, do we not? We deserve a separation from God forever. But because God is merciful, He doesn't do that to us. Because God is merciful, He gives us time. He gives us time to decide whether or not we want to be His child or the world's child. I'm so thankful that we serve a merciful God. His word says, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. What does that look like? What does a, a merciful heart look like for all us being, that have been born again? Well, I think the first kind of heart that we have, if we have a heart of mercy, is we have a forgiving heart. We have a forgiving heart. You see, as born-again Christians... We understand how much we have been forgiven for. We understand how many sins we have committed. And because we are so grateful and thankful that He has forgiven all of those sins and He's cleansed us from all His righteousness, as a believer we are called to extend to other people the very same forgiveness. You see, a merciful heart says it is a forgiving heart. Matthew 6, 12 says it this way. And this comes from the Lord's Prayer. And he says, And forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. We are asking God to forgive us. We want forgiveness. I sure want forgiveness. And then in the same breath, Jesus says what? As we forgive others. A merciful heart is a forgiving heart. Mark eleven twenty five and 26 says this. Whenever you stand praying, forgive. 
if you have anything against anyone, so that your Father who is in heaven will forgive you of your transgressions. But if you do not forgive, your Father who is in heaven will not forgive your transgressions. Do you see what he's saying? He's saying, for a person with a merciful heart, we are called to forgive other people. No revenge, no paybacks, no getting even. A merciful heart says, I am a heart that wants to be forgiving others. Why? Because, God, Father, you have forgiven me. It's a forgiving heart. It's also a compassionate heart. A person who is merciful. It's a compassionate heart. It's a heart that says, I feel your pain. It's a heart that says, I know what you're going through. I've been there. It's a heart that says, my heart hurts for you. That's a compassionate heart. It's not a heart that says, when I, I see you hurting, I want to go tell you my story. I was sitting talking to some folks uh, a while back, and we were talking about a, a deceased lady and and trying to get some information on her, and 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 here comes here comes another guy, and he sits down there, and he begins to tell the for fifteen minutes tell the story about when his mother died. Completely changed the subject. We're dealing with this, and he's going to tell me all about that. That's not a compassionate heart. See, he he wanted to tell his story. We want to hear this story here. Because this person is hurting. I don't need somebody to top this story, you see. A compassionate heart says, man, I feel your pain. I'm right there with you. I've been there. I understand that. And my heart hurts for you right now. How can I carry your grief and how can I carry your burden? You see, that's what, as believers, we've been called to do. To have that kind of a merciful heart. How can I help you how can i carry your burden how can i make your life a little easier that's a compassionate heart that does that a merciful heart is also a tender heart it's a heart that sees and knows what people are going through and says you know i want to help i want to be a part of that. I, I, I'm willing to, to give up some of my time and some of my talent or my ability. I'm willing to give up some finances if I need to. I am so willing to pray because I see your need and I want to step into your need with a merciful, tender heart and I want to try to help. First John three seventeen and 18 says it this way. But whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother, and most of the time when, when, when we see the word brother there, we're talking about other believers, okay? Other Christians is what usually what that word brother means. He says, when you see his brother in need and you close his heart against him, your heart is closed again, you're not going to do anything about it, then he asks this question, how does the love of God abide in him? You got it? You see a need? Nah, I don't care. And the writer says, how does, how does the love of God abide in you? If that's your attitude, if that's what you're thinking, 
And of course we know the answer to that. It's, it's, un, it's understood. It doesn't. Verse 18 says this about a tender heart, about helping others. He says, little children, do not love with word or tongue, but in deed and in truth. Do not love with word or tongue. Just don't talk about it, he says, okay? If you have a merciful heart and all you do is talk about it and you just speak about it and yet you don't do anything about it, what good is that? Does the love of God abide in you? He says, no. He said, just don't talk about it. Do something about it. But, but love with deed and in truth. Do something. You see a need, go try to help that need if, if you possibly can. Love is an action word. Love is saying go. Love is saying do. And then he says, do it in truth. Don't do it because you have to. Do it because you want to. Well, where am I going to get that want to? Maybe I, 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 my, my, my flesh says, I don't want it. No. You've been born again. You've got the love of God living in you. The Bible says God is love. Where does that love come from? It comes from the, for God's love that dwells in you. And you are willing with a tender and merciful heart says, I am going to go help this person. And I'm going to do it. And I'm going to do it because I want to. Not because I have to. That is doing it in truth. And not in word or deed. You see what, he, what he's telling us here? Man, if you've got, you got a merciful heart and you've been born again, you're going to want to help somebody. That's the kind of heart you got. And it's also a heart that says, I, I know it's more blessed to give than to receive. Is that in the Bible? I think it is somewhere like maybe Acts 20, 35, when Jesus said, it is more blessed to give than receive, quote, unquote. Okay? That's a heart that is tender towards the Lord. You know, as Christians, we are called to do some practical things along those same lines. If that's the kind of heart that we have, the Bible tells us we, there are things for us to do. How do what do we do about that? What are some things that he's told us to do? In Acts, he says, support the weak. See, somebody that's struggling, we are to support the weak. In Galatians, it talks about we are to bear the burdens of others. We are to carry their burden with them. We are to come alongside them and, and walk beside them and say, how can I help you? Let me help you carry that burden. Okay, that's with a tender and a compassionate heart. In Matthew, we see we are to help the afflicted. We are to strengthen and comfort those who are broken and who are grieving, and we are to feed the hungry. Jesus goes on to say in Matthew 25, 34, and 35, he says it this way. He says, you know, when I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. When I was thirsty, you gave me drink. When I was a stranger, you invited me in. When I was naked, you gave me clothes. When I was sick, you visited me. When I was in prison, you, you came to me. You see, he's taking those situations and he's saying, see a need? Do the best you can to solve that need. And the Bible says when you do that, when we are those kinds of people, there is a reward that's going to be given back to you. Did you know that? We don't do things for reward. 
But God always rewards those things that we do. I bet you didn't know that. Hebrews 6.10 says it this way. For God is not unjust so as to forget your work and the love you have shown towards his name in having ministered and still ministering to the saints. Hebrews 16, God says, I'm not going to forget your kindness and your mercy that you show other people. I'm not going to forget it. I might be the only one that knows, God would say, and I'm not going to forget it. I'm going to record it in my little book that you did this for him or to her on this day. And he's going to reward us on that day. And the Bible says when we do that, when we, when we act like that, that, one of the first rewards that we, were going to, we would receive because of a tender mercy heart as we serve others, the Bible says the kingdom of God has been prepared for us. The kingdom of God has been prepared for us. And get that what that means. It means that when you do that, God has said, I will give you the abundant life right here. And it starts here and it ends never. Kingdom of God never ends. But you will live with me for eternity times eternity. If that's the only reward that we got for being merciful and tender and caring for people, you want to you know something? That's the best reward ever. That we'll spend time and eternity with him. That's the best reward we can get. But there's others when we possess this merciful heart. In 2 Timothy 1.18, it says the Lord will grant mercy on that day. Well, on what day? On that judgment day. When Christians will stand before holy God at the judgment seat of Christ. And we will give an account of our deeds and our actions, not our sins. Those have all been taken care of. But we'll give an account, the Bible says. We'll give an account on some things that we can't even remember that we did. But on that day, we'll remember, we'll be cleared mind. And we'll give an account of all of those. And when he hears that and we see that, he says, what is he going to do on that day of judgment? He said, I'm going to grant mercy to my children. Mercy to my people. Because they were merciful here I'm going to have mercy on them. Psalm 51 says we are blessed when we extend mercy to others. We are blessed. Remember what we said about being blessed. It means happy. It means fortunate. Yes. But it's also that spiritual joy that we have. That no matter what circumstances we have, no matter what trials we have, we understand that God is sovereign. We understand that God loves us. And He is going to take whatever happens in our life and make it for my good and for His glory. That's blessed. That is removing anxiety in one's life. That's removing doubt in one's life. Because if I've been born again, I truly trust Him. His, God, His Word says, I'm going to make it for your good and for His glory. Well, you know what? I'm going to stand on that promise. I'm going to stand on that promise. What a blessing, what a reward, knowing that whatever happens... I might not like it, might not agree with it, might, might kick the dog over it. But I know it's for my good and for His glory. That's a, that's a reward. Proverbs 19.17 gives us another reward. He said, one who is merciful to a poor man lends to the Lord or gives to the Lord. And he will repay him for his good deed. Did you hear what, I, what you just read there? 
He says, you give something to help somebody. It is as if you're loaning it to the Lord. And what's he going to do? He said, I'm going to pay it back to you. <laughs> I'm going to give it back to you. You loan that to me, whatever that is, because you're helping somebody. He says, I'll get it back to you. Probably more so than what you gave. And that comes from a merciful and a tender heart. What a reward. You can't outgive God because he owns it all. Psalm 103.8 says this. The Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness. When we extend mercy to somebody else, when we don't give them what they deserve, that verse is telling us one thing. He says, you're acting just like Jesus. You are just acting just like my son. Because that's exactly how he acts. That's exactly how he reacts. Let me read it again. The Lord is compassionate. That's Jesus. The Lord is merciful. That's Jesus. The Lord is slow to anger. That's Jesus. Abounding in loving kindness. That's Jesus. When we extend mercy and grace to other people, we are acting just like our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And you know what? He's called us to do that. He's called us to be more Christ-like in the way that we live and act and speak and all that kind of stuff. And I think when we do that, I don't know if he does it, but I think he might pat you on the head and say, good job, boy. Good job, lady. Good job, sis. Because now you look like my, my son. And that's the object of this game, is for you to look like my son. Proverbs 21, 13 says this. This is the last of the rewards, I guess. He says, He who shuts his ear to the cry of the poor will also cry himself and not be answered. You want to stop your prayers from getting past the ceiling? Okay. Show no mercy to anybody. The Bible says your prayers won't get past the ceiling. If you're hard, hard-hearted, your prayer's not going to get past that light bulb up there. But he said if you're merciful, if you extend mercy and your grace and you're compassionate and you're tender towards other people, he says your prayers will be answered. Why? Because you're just like my son. You're doing just what I want him to do. What he did, I want you to do. You want a padlock on your prayer life? Don't be merciful. Don't give out mercy and don't give out grace. But if you want God's blessings, you want God's blessings to flow, you want God to have, your, have his ear and his eyes turned towards you, what does he say? Be merciful. I will hear your cry and I will answer your prayer. I don't know about you, but that's a great, great reward. Some great rewards right there. But you know, you sit, somebody, maybe some of you sitting back here and you go, at it. that ain't me. That ain't who I am. I'm, I'm a hard man. I'm a tough guy. I ain't forgiving nobody, and I sure have no feelings for anybody. I'm just, that's just who I am. God made me. That's how God made me. I am, I'm a tough dude. I'm a tobacco-spitting kind of a dude. 
Uh, and I, and I ain't forgiving nobody. I have no feelings for anybody. Well, okay. But the Bible has three warnings if that's who you are. And I'm going to give you those three warnings today. This has come straight from God's Word. If that's the kind of heart that you have, and you're not going to be that kind that God calls us to be merciful, here's God's truth. And it is a warning straight from God's Word. You see, he's kind of serious about this business, you know what? I mean, he's just, he's just serious. He says, I, this is what I want. I want you to be merciful. And when you do, I'll give you mercy. But if you don't, and I ain't who you are, you ain't going to do it. God says, I get that. And here's your rewards, he says. James 2.13. He said, for judgment will be merciless to one who has shown no mercy. The rewards of the unmerciful person is they will face judgment without mercy. That is a great white throne judgment at the very end of time. When everyone who has never accepted Christ as Lord and Savior, they will stand in front of judgment and their sins will be judged because they don't have the blood of Jesus upon their life. I'd hate to be standing in front of Him without mercy. The second reward comes from Matthew 18, 34 and 35. They will face the anger and the wrath of God. Well, what do you, what do you mean by that? You'll face the anger and wrath of God. Jesus tells a story, just real quickly, about a man who owed, owed the king 10,000 10, talents. Guy could not pay. There's no way he could pay. This, we're talking millions of dollars. And he begs for mercy, and, he, and the king gives him mercy, and the, and, the, and the Bible says he forgave all the money that was owed to him, to this man. Then the Bible says a day later, this man who has been forgiven of all that goes and finds a person who owes him 100 denarii, $100 of daily wages, and says, I need my $100. He said, I, don't, I ain't got it. And the Bible says he took him and choked him, and he threw him in prison and left him there until he could pay. And in 34 and 35, it says this about that. And the Lord moved with anger, handed him over to the torturers, until he should repay all that was owed him. In the next part of the verse, it says, My heavenly Father will also do the same to you if each of you does not forgive his brother from his heart. You see, for all the tough guys and the tough women out there who refuse to forgive and refuse to be un unfeeling, the Bible says they will face the anger and wrath of God. Not a place I would ever want to be. The third reward for being unmerciful is that you are not forgiven of your sins. Well, that ain't right. Well, Matthew 6, 14 and 15 says it this way. For if you forgive others of their sins, your transgressions, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, your heavenly Father will not forgive your transgressions. If you're tough-minded, unforgiving, unfeeling, he's got those warnings for you. Judgment without mercy. You're going to face the anger and wrath of God, and you're going to stand before him one day without being forgiven. 
Is it important that you and I be merciful? Is it important that you and I have a forgiving heart, a compassionate heart, a tender heart? Yeah. Because you see, that's what, what God's Word says. This is, this is who you are, people. As born-again believers, this is who you are. This is, this is what I want your heart to look like. And I want your lives to reflect this. I want your lives to look like this. I, 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 I want you to be poor in spirit. I want you to mourn when you need to mourn. I want you to be gentle. I want you to hunger and thirst after righteousness. I want you to be merciful to people. I want you to extend to people stuff that they do not deserve. And guess what it says the reward for that is? You shall receive mercy. Who does not want mercy given to you? He's called us to extend mercy to somebody that doesn't deserve it. And guess what? You and I do not deserve the mercy of God. But he gives it to us anyway because why? He loves us so much. We are to give mercy to somebody else. Why? Because we've received mercy and because we are called to love other people. What's the greatest commandment of all? To love God with all your heart and soul and your mind. And what's the second greatest commandment of all of them, Jesus said? To love other people. (laughs) That's the only way we can ever extend mercy to anybody. I don't want to on my own, but because you have the love of God living in your heart, and because He's called us to love other people, we can do that. We are called to do that. To have a merciful heart means we have a forgiving heart, we have a compassionate heart, and we have a tender heart. As the piano begins to play at our invitation time, I would urge you to consider the words that you've heard today. Which one are you? Are you merciful? Are you forgiving? Are you compassionate? Are you tender? Or are you tough? Are you unforgiving? Are you unfeeling? Those are our options. Christian friend, I urge you, if you're not merciful, you can be merciful by asking God right now to help you. To give you what you need to be merciful, to be the kind of Christian person that he's called you and I to be. As we bow our heads and close our eyes and the piano is playing, that's the invitation. If God has spoken to you, do what he tells you to do. That's my advice. You can never go wrong with that. As she plays.